Welcome to Counselor Find, a podcast for counselors past and present, finding their way in faith and current culture. We are your hosts, Shrek and Shopvac, also known as Terry and Zach. Welcome to episode two, everybody. We're really glad you came back. And we are excited this week. We're going to look at uh, Chosen episode one, and we are going to also dig into the topic of grief and loss. So let's get uh, started right off the bat here. Zach, did you watch episode one? Of course you did. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on episode one? Uh, it's good. Yeah, it, it was, was really good, good. What were the characters that stood out to you, or do you want to just kind of go through this uh, as it, you know, start to finish? Uh, yeah, I can. No, I don't want to go through it start to finish. Okay, cool. Uh, we get introduced to a lot of different characters. Yeah, this, um, this is the introduction episode for sure. Who, uh, I think off the bat is Mary Magdalene who is referred to as Lilith or Lily, one of the two. Um, she's pretty clearly portrayed as a, um, most likely a prostitute. Um, I think right off the bat, one thing I really liked is you get a, an idea or a feel for the culture and how kind of society set up with Quintus approaching Nicodemus in this cart. Quintus is the Roman praetor, the Dominus, the the one who's in charge, the governor of the area. Yeah. And Nicodemus is coming from Jerusalem and he rides up to meet him. Yeah. So when you have that scene, when Quintus and Nicodemus are talking out on the road in the cart, um, it kind of sets up the context for how culture is at the time and like the society and the battle and struggle between um, the Romans, the occupation and the Hebrews and the Pharisees. And I, there's kind of like two to four groups there of people. So it's really interesting how that's all working. And that's something we don't really like talk about ever. So right off the bat, you're getting an idea and a feel for something that we don't normally see. Yeah. And Nicodemus has like incredible wealth. You, it just shows he's in this rich carriage with curtains and slaves pulling the carriage. And yeah, he's offended when they stop because some Roman soldiers come along and then it turns out to be the governor. And he's like, you know, suddenly he's got a grovel. Mm-hmm. He's like, what do you want from me? Like, I, you know, we do all the things you ask us. It's, it's pretty fantastic how, uh, the, the power play right here. Yeah. It's very interesting. Next thing I had here was Matthew hiding in the cart. Um, so the tax collecting guy who hides in the cart, that's Matthew, Matthew, um, the tax collector. Yeah. So anyway, Matthew's hiding in the cart, uh, because he can't go to work or to tax collect, uh, without getting, probably mugged or yelled at or beat up or whatever. So he's paying someone to get him to work. And it's interesting that he's able to pay someone to drive him and he still has more money than anyone else. So much more money. No one else is paying to pay like for a ride anywhere. Yeah. They, they, they uh, have a scene where he steps in manure Yeah, and he takes off his sandals and throws them away and puts on clean, like new it's sandals. Right before he gets in the cart. Yeah. Right before he gets in the cart. And the cart driver's like, what are you doing? Like that's a month's salary yeah, a month. that you just threw away. Yeah. Um. And and Matthew's like, "Hey, it's my possessions. I can do with it what I want." Yeah. He has wealth. That is for sure. Um. So then we then we meet uh, Nicodemus again. He's teaching. Um. Some of the other Pharisees and um and Jews, and he's specifically he's talking about um the Sabbath or Shabbat, and about not working too hard that day. Um, or not doing too much on that day and what isn't, isn't allowed kind of thing. Um, often a a popular topic when we talk about 
Judaism and the rules and the legalism of it all. Um, so it's interesting that they they chose to use that as a topic uh, in there. Yeah, and you can see him using his teaching to reinforce the Roman request. So Quintus yeah. says, I, w- I don't want them fishing on Shabbat. I want taxes for people that are fishing on Shabbat. And now Nicodemus is teaching, hey, Shabbat is is lawful, but if we eat what, what's caught on Shabbat, then we defile ourselves by what we eat. And suddenly he's twisting all these, these mm, rules yeah. to reinforce a message, right? right? Even, yeah, even right. in his religious approach. And then there was the thought, like what hit me, not just that he's twisting the message to reinforce a political idea mm-hmm. uh, or a political message, but that we don't talk about, like we live under grace. And so what we do uh, is about what defiles us is what comes out of the heart, Jesus says, not what right. goes into our mouth. But here we have these Jews going, hey, what's what goes into a person that defiles them? And that's a really different concept for us under Jesus, where it's, it's about grace. It's about change your heart. You're not, <laughs> your actions happen, but it's not what makes you unholy. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot that part about um, the whole point of his choosing that message then is because it conveniently fits with what... Uh, the Quintus. leader of the local uh, Romans was telling him he has to enforce. So um, probably not the, the first time that uh, p- religious leaders are using uh, political messaging. What? Yeah. No way. So then uh, they're interrupted. What are they doing again? The Nicodemus comes to someone's home, um, I think it is. And they're no, doing. No, they go to like the synagogue or the Sanhedrin or someplace. Okay. Yeah, so then Nicodemus goes to whatever it is, the head the San, of the order, the Sanhedrin, the, the or top something. Pharisee that's in Caesarea. Yeah, and they're doing some ritual or something or other. Yeah. Anyway, the centurion interrupts them, and they're all annoyed. And then he makes a comment uh, about the Pharisees taxing. They're not the or that the centurions aren't the only ones taxing people. And I think that's really interesting because, um, I think we kind of know that from like reading the Bible that the Pharisees are definitely a little more well off, but um, we probably, we don't really talk about it that much. Um, yeah. The Pharisees were rich. Yeah. They had, they had access to money. Uh, mm. I don't know if they had wealth. Uh, I don't know how we wanted to find rich and wealth, um, but uh, they definitely were rich and they taxed the people. So then uh, we see Matthew is getting let out of the cart. Um, this guy doesn't even want to get him all the way to work because he doesn't want to be seen with him because that would just ruin his life uh, if someone saw him helping Matthew. Uh, so then he's all terrified to walk through the market, and um, I guess he should be because he's disliked by everybody. Um, and then we see... One thing I've noticed is you see centurions just patrolling everywhere. Like the they're soldiers. just all over. The soldiers are just everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Um, and they, I, I don't know, like it just, where else do we have that? Like you don't have that in normal society um, anywhere. Like it's not that big of a city. And it's like they can't be trusted in their own market to barter and buy and sell stuff on their own. Like heaven forbid, if they're not there, they're going to, burst out in riots or I'll kill each other or something. Well, yeah. And it's a very occupied place. The soldiers are the law mm-hmm. and, and you have that sense as you go through the marketplace, there's soldiers everywhere. Uh, if there's a scuffle, like soldiers are in, they're swinging their clubs. They are violent. 
They yeah. treat the people like possessions and uh, and less than possessions. You you really get the sense that that Judea Caesarea is really an oppressed place. Yeah, yeah. Um. So then they talk about the red. Is it red district or red court? The red or, quarter red of quarter. the city. Yeah. Um. Which is essentially where all the unwanted live, I guess. Um, maybe like some of the things that would go on there, you would definitely be similar to what we would call like a red light district now. Um, with like kind of what's your what's your pleasure, and we can fulfill it type idea. Yeah, everything's there, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, things that are kind of illegal. There's a black market. They're selling stuff on the street that right. that you wouldn't find in the market. There's slaves on the or for sale. There's mm-hmm. gambling dens and bars and uh, what else have we got? Uh, yeah, prostitutes. Sure. prostitutes like here we yeah. have um, Lilith, who's you know being used for sex. Yeah. So Nicodemus uh, is obviously thinks he's way too good to be in this area. All the Pharisees do, um, but they're kind of forced to go and try this exorcism. Um, at first, it doesn't seem like he really cares. Or, I don't know, believes them, or I don't know what it is. And then he gets there and kind of realizes, like, oh, crap, like, this is real. So then he <laughs> decides he needs to actually try, tells him to go get all the stuff. And his, I, from what I saw, like, his actions are there, but it seems like he gets in the room and either he just doesn't have, doesn't believe it's going to happen, or he just gets so scared that he doesn't, like, actually think it's going to work or whatever. But you can see, like, a moment where he just... The switch flips and he's just like, holy crap, what is this thing in front of me? Like, I'm outpowered. Yeah, and it, and it moves from him being religious to acting in faith. Mm-hmm. But then you almost get this sense of, like, he realizes, I don't have the faith for what I'm up against. Right. There's something. And then the demon actually speaks. Yeah. Says, like, you know, there's not just one of us here. Mm-hmm. And we have way more power than you do. Mm-hmm. And, and Nick is just out of there. Nico. Yeah. It's just gone. Like, see ya. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, important to note, I guess, again, is that that story isn't explicitly in the Bible. Like, we don't know that, like, Nicodemus went to, to heal or exercise against Mary. No, but we do know that, that it says that Mary was the one who Jesus healed yeah. of demons. Yeah, for sure. So we do know that she was uh, possessed, like, this is the word. Um, and it's likely that if the one, such a high leader, um, like Nicodemus was around at the time, which he was, that he probably would have made an attempt or at least someone, um, close to his stature would have. Yeah. And they would have been aware of the situation. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, again, it's just like the whole thing is, it's giving us a perspective or like it's showing us a part of a story that we never really talk about. Like it says that, where does it say that Jesus um, healed Mary? Uh, There's a couple of places where you, when you first meet Mary. Yeah. Early in the gospels. But like, we don't talk about that part. Like it's there, but. Well, it's just a footnote. We just, you know, we breeze. It's basically, yeah, we just breeze over it. It's just a thing. Like, yeah, we don't. There was, there was three Marys. There was Mary, his mother, Mary. This person, and Mary of Magdala, you know, yeah. the one that Jesus healed the, from the demons. So there is that. I think that's what's really cool about this show is that they take one line or less and turn it into 
an entire character and context and everything, which is it's really cool. Yeah. What would Mary be like? Who mm-hmm. was Mary? How did she get there? Right. Uh, it's really interesting in the story where you see her as a young child. She's with her dad. She's mm-hmm. already got these voices in her head. She has this fear and her dad is re- helping her recite um, the verse from Isaiah 43, you know, fear not, you know, thus says the Lord, the God of Jacob, fear not for I am with you. I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. And she keeps trying to go back to that memory. And every time she does, it's like she gets this mental attack. The demons mm-hmm. choke that out of her. Out, yeah. 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 So then we're not really sure where she's at with her. She wakes up. She, we're not really sure if she's believing in God anymore or ever did, or if it's like the demons winning over her and she's kind of giving up. But it seems like she's definitely ready to commit suicide and is going to go attempt to do that. It seems. Yeah. There's two things that happen here. One is, um, so can I, can I just interrupt you? One, we meet Nico and he's wrestling with the fact that he was unsuccessful in this exorcism. And he says this thing. What if, what if the, the word, what if the Torah is more beautiful and more strange than we can imagine? And he's kind of, you have this sense that he's come face to face with whether his religion is faith. And he's wondering if maybe I've got it wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe I've been practicing religion and I need to have faith. Yeah. What if it's more than what I'm trying to define? Because he's trying to come up with a reason. Why, why did this not work? What, what did I do wrong? This is more than I can handle. Suddenly he's up to that. I need faith. Yeah. And faith goes beyond the law. It goes beyond what I know. It goes, pushes me out into the unknown. It means loving this harlot. It means loving this person that uh-huh. is unlovely and, and unclean to him. And then suddenly he's got to figure out, what do I do? What do I do with all of this? Yeah. No, I really like that whole thing with him and his wife. Um, and then he has some, a bit of self-contemplation there too. But this whole discussion with his wife about... Um, like he's clearly he has a struggle between faith, his religion, and their status as a couple and as people in the religion. And his wife clearly cares mostly about the status and upholding the the rules of the religion that'll help her keep that status. So like religion kind of gets tied into to, into what she cares about, but it's mostly just about like what's going to keep us in the status that we're at. He seems to have this like inner lurking or like for what the actual like what is faith what is uh truth and he's trying to find that um wherever he can and i think that probably a lot of that scene is set up in context for what's to come later in john chapter three for but sure we'll right? get there eventually yeah. um because they have to kind of set that up somewhere so yeah i think it's a really interesting i really like that scene that's kind of when i i was like yeah nicodemus is cool <laughs> There's a, there's a point where Nico says, uh, you know, these demons, they root in wickedness. She was obviously wicked to begin yeah. with, right? He's got to self-justify his righteousness. Yeah. That I couldn't have failed because I was, it was beyond my ability. Yeah. So it must be that she's just more evil than I can possibly be good. Mm-hmm. And, and there's this sense that, wow, we, like, what a mirror that is sometimes of where I judge somebody because I'm more righteous than they are. Yeah. And I, I've put that mirror up because I have to justify. Like, otherwise, that's the scandal of grace, right? This is Jesus coming and saying, it's bigger than your righteousness. Yeah. And uh, 
I just think that's, it's such a wonderful um, picture that they've set up in this, this episode of, uh, uh, actually, it's, it's not her wickedness. God's right. doing something amazing here. Well, he talks, like, he wants her to look in the mirror. His, he wants his wife to look in the mirror, right? And then she's like, oh, I can't see anything. Yeah, it's cheap <laughs> it's glass. It's a crappy mirror, yeah. which, like, of course, they have good ones. Um, and the interesting thing is he talks about, he's like, I, sometimes I think this is how we read the, we see the Torah, like, not clear. There's way more to it. And it's like, hmm, very interesting. Is that still true today? We obviously think it was true then. Yeah, is it, it more beautiful be or more strange than we can imagine? Right. Yeah. It's really cool. Really cool picture. Uh, yeah, and then I think another part that I really like about that is that it shows us a glimpse of a guy who doesn't, quote-unquote, have it all together, but everyone clearly thinks he does, and he's supposed to act like he does, and, you know, even heaven forbid that he doesn't, his wife would lose her mind if he questions anything. He has to be the one with the answers. Like, he has to have everything together. Um, yeah. Really neat image. I know you're going to get there, but uh, Lily takes herself to the edge of a cliff. She's yeah. done with this life. And she takes the Bible verse that she's been clinging to and she tears it up and throws it over the cliff first. And it's almost like she's done with religion. Yeah. It's not working. Whereas Nicodemus is, is starting to figure out that even though he's so steeped in religion, it's not working. There's, there's a point where he needs to step out in faith. Uh, she's come to the point where she's done with religion because she's done with life. Yeah. He's done with religion because he wants something real. He's yeah. sick of looking at a, in a, faded glass and uh and it's at the point where she's done with life that yeah. this dove flies by and we know what the this imagery of a dove in the bible the holy spirit yeah and it and it catches her attention and leads her away from that cliff side sure. really cool but both are done with religion oh yeah so then we see uh mary follows the bird dove it is i guess back to the bar where pigeon Pigeon. Probably a dove. Probably a dove. <laughs> Mary follows the bird back to the town and to the bar. Um, we see her go in back to like her only assumed friend um, that she has at the time. So that's kind of neat. And then she decides she still doesn't know what's going on or why she's there. So she wants to just kind of forget it all and hoping that the, the drink can help her do that. Nice. Um, <laughs> And then, boom, boom, big guy, the big dog walks in. J-Dog. J-Dog stops her. Um, and yeah, kind of confuses her and scares her. And then she walks out and he calls her by name and super, super powerful moment where he grabs her and heals her. And she's just like, what is going on? Yeah. And he recites the verse that she threw away. Yeah. And it's not just the verse being recited. No, it's like, it's not just like some text. It's like, there's like actual, like something behind it. He's, he's saying it to her. Like, I am God and I love you. Yeah. And I know your name and I have redeemed her, redeemed you. And then he's the first person to call her Mary. Mm -hmm. Not Lilith, not Lily, Mary. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, really powerful. Yeah. Really amazing scene. Well, it was because I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, I'm pretty sure this person is Mary the whole time. And then they kept calling her Lilith. Like, mm. maybe this is some others. I don't know what's going on. I didn't know 
how quickly the story would move on or what was going on. And then by finding the event, like, okay, for sure, this is her. <laughs> like, there's no doubt. So, <laughs> yeah, she's, she even gets to the point where she's like, even a holy man couldn't help me. Yeah. Like, I'm beyond help. And I am so damaged. I am so rejected that I can't even, yeah, I can't even see myself anymore. And, uh, the first person to, to touch her in protection, to touch her with protective hope. Yeah. To, and in love since, since her father dies in that first opening scene is Jesus. Yeah. And he knows her name. Unbelievable. It has a really powerful scene. Yeah. So I think, um, as I, I think this episode is really good. Lots of totally different perspectives and things we've never seen before. And I would say this is the most boring episode of, of, of them all. Yeah. Because so, it's the intro, right? We're just meeting people. Yeah. Um, and obviously they try and give you a little cliffhanger at the end. So you keep going. So if you're discouraged at all that you thought you were bored, just keep going. It does get way better. And if you thought it was already really good, then get I, I don't know how you can buckle dis- in. How can you be discouraged? I don't think you would be. I'm just, you know, so let's shift, uh, focus from the chosen to our topic of the day, which is, uh, grief and loss. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what? just, okay, sure. Whatever. Go ahead. No, I just was uh, thinking like it really does flow from one to the other. I, I look at um, the the verse Isaiah forty three one is the fear not. Right, yeah. I know your name and I've redeemed you and I've called you, and you are mine. Um, it really resonates to me what we see Paul saying in first uh, in Second Corinthians one, where he's like, God is the God of all comfort. So one, mm-hmm. you have that Old Testament promise that I know you. And you don't have anything to fear. And then you have this New Testament confirmation from Paul of like, God is the God of all comfort. He wants to comfort you. We go through trials. We go through troubles. You know, this is uh, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3. We go through trials so that we can comfort others. That the God, God knows what we're going through and he has redeemed us. And then Jesus in Matthew 5, God blesses those who mourn, right? The Blessed are those who weep. He says, they, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are mourn. Matthew 5, 4. Yeah. Um, this building up of the fact that, and I think it, it, for me it resonates in Mary's life, where she feels so rejected, so full of shame, so uh, broken. The voice is in her head, and we all have voices in our head sometimes that, that lead us uh, into despair or, or grief, or we've gone through so much loss. To me, I, man, oh man, the summer sucked. Uh, yeah. It was, it was good. I made the best. We all made the best of it. But it's not. It wasn't summer. It wasn't us having camp and doing the things we all love to do and working right. with kids and working with each other and growing and knowing and all the great things that happen when we are at camp together. It's been seven months since uh-huh. all this started. Um. That waking up one morning and realizing, man, am I ever sad? I've lost some stuff here that I really wanted and that grief. And then trying to come to terms with that from a sense that God is the God of all comfort. I'm going through these things for a reason. Really having trouble seeing that. Yeah. Uh, Have you felt that way at all? Or a sense that, are you feeling any of those feelings at all? Uh, of grief or sadness and then how did you deal with them 
Oh, I felt many of those feelings. <laughs> you felt many the of summer, those feelings. In the fall. Wow, you almost smiled there. You were just like, <laughs> Yeah, no. I think for me, I like was trying to be really optimistic about it. Like I was constantly being like, oh, it'll happen. Like we'll still have camp. We'll still have camp. We'll still have camp until like the day one of camp hat was there and we, we weren't having camp. It's kind of like, hmm. Well, that was a tough day. We're not having camp. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, this is really stupid. <laughs> this sucks. This um, is dumb. That's what This really sucks. We sat down on a step in the yeah, middle of camp and like, we just went like, this is dumb. Looking around, I'm like there's supposed to be 280 people running around right now. Well, plus 280. So, yeah. Um, no, there was definitely some uh, grieving needed there. And then I think, well, well, then you just got busy, right? That's the, you, part, part of the tough thing is that it hasn't just been like, okay, we've had some stuff taken, let's grieve and be done. It's like, like stuff taken, grieve, get over it, move on. Stuff taken, grieve, get over it, move on. Stuff taken, grieve, get over it, move on. Like it keeps happening. And just as like, you start to heal, yeah, somebody then, pokes that wound again. Then it just happens again. Oh. It's like when the initial back in March, everyone lost something, whether it was just, you know, something they were doing or maybe it was someone i don't know but everyone had something and then sure all those things that we were working towards whether it was school yeah or extracurriculars for sure hockey sports lots of different things and then you know i think most people had their heads up about we'd probably be back to normal before summer everyone's losing something in the spring slash summertime again and then most people again for the fall whether it's school extracurriculars um just their normal life going to going to work like some people i've been talking to people who um they really hate working from home and like i i do a lot of the year so it's whatever but um when you're used to going and being around people every day if that's like kind of person you are especially that's gonna really suck not to be not to have that um and it's really hard to like i was talking to some people saying that it's really hard to work and they don't just have that person like right beside them. They can just talk to or ask a question to or whatever. Um, and they're not just going to pull up a video chat to ask them a two second question. Yeah. So and then, there was a sense too, right? For like, if you're an introvert yeah. oh, and at first like, Oh, I love this cause I'm mm-hmm. an introvert, but now you're so far inside your cave. Oh, yeah. You can no longer see the way out. Yeah. You're so introverted. And if you're extroverts, you're just like every day is death. Yeah. <laughs> I am not meeting people it's awful i'm yeah. not doing things i can't like yeah <laughs> and then it starts to open up and then like oh sorry we tricked you on that yeah go back put your mask on Just hide your kidding. face get out of here yeah yeah so yeah i think for a lot of people it's been tough yeah and there's so this can lead to depression it can lead to anxiety mm-hmm. i think it's it's shown really well in that scene in the chosen where uh, there's Mary sitting in the bar. She's going to have a drink and a man comes up and grabs her and is like, Hey, I'm, you know, and, and, and suddenly those voices start to activate in her head. Those memories trigger fear, anxiety, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and rightfully so. But for so many of us that can lead us, you know, that's a metaphor for maybe what happens to us when we get in, into depression or anxiety. Yeah. Two opposite reactions. Uh, with the same kind of result. One is an anxiety attack. One is like panic, fear. The other is depression, sadness, 
a closing in on yourself. Uh, and then that just leads to a distorting of everything that's coming in. Yeah. You, you, you end up feeling shame. You feel rejection. You feel, uh, empty and hollow. Uh, and then, and then how do you get out of that? Where do you get from that? Uh, it's this fear of expecting the worst. Uh And yet here we have this old Testament verse of fear not. Yeah. And we, and it's not, it's not a new Testament verse. It's, it's from Isaiah. It's, it's pre Jesus. We think, you know, we can often quote first Peter five, seven, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Um, or, you know, we know that Jesus loves us, that he's come to, to set us free, that, you know, that God sent his son to redeem the world. And we know those things about Jesus, but here we have this old Testament verse, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you, you are mine, and I know your name. And we're not alone in this, and we don't have to fear. And I think um, if, we, if we can cling to that, God is the God of all comfort. We're not going through something for nothing. We're not going through this, and it's okay to mourn. Man, I love that Jesus says, if you mourn, God blesses you. He wants to comfort you. It's okay to, to come to those points where we're sad, actually, and let him, yeah. let him actually, like, Come around side you and put his arm around you. And uh, in this uh, physically distanced world, we need to put our arm around each other. Um, Paul says in Timothy, we've not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. Uh, Jesus goes and he touches the leper. Jesus goes and he touches the one who no one else will touch. But we need to be that person that, that overcomes our fear and connects with, with our brothers and sisters with the family around us, with the, with the untouchable. Right. And that means, I don't know that we have to go to the red quarter to do that. Uh, we may just need to go next door to start. Yeah. Yeah. So check out, uh, Isaiah 43 when you get a chance, read the whole thing. There's lots of good stuff in there. Uh, should we play a game? Uh, do you want to play a game this, this time? Or do you want to look at a cultural event that's uh, significant? Uh, I don't know. We could play a game, play 20 questions. Sure, let's play 20 questions. All right. Uh, my turn. My turn. No, it's my turn to go, so you have oh, to pick someone. right. No, I picked... Oh, yeah, go. Ready? Okay. Male or female? Male. Real or fake? Fake. Uh, movie? No. TV show? Yes. Live like action or cartoon? animated cartoon currently no there's not is it still on tv no is it maybe your childhood or mine oh uh at least my childhood so maybe not mine definitely not are you confident i know who this person is i think so yeah are they human yes okay cartoon Male from your childhood. Is it kids show or adult show? Kids. Don't watch cartoons. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Kids cartoon male. From 30, 40 years ago. At least, yes. At least 40 years ago. And they're not an animal. 
correct, ruled out a number yeah. of my guesses. And I don't even know why I thought of this. It just was like kind of out of the blue. What number am I at? 10. Okay. So, so this you, will be 11. You're doing great. Do, you, do they have a specific name that you know and that you think I will know? Yes. Okay. So I have like descriptions of people, but I'm not going to guess them. Uh, is it a Simpson? Oh, no, but that would have been great. Do love Homer and Bart. But it's not like a kid's show. No, it's not. That was. So it's more of a kid's show than that. Yeah. <sighs> I am going to be screwed here. Cartoon. Is it Caillou? No. <laughs> is it less of a kid's show than that? Um, like, like not for, a li- Is it for older kids yeah, than that? It's not a little kid's show. So it's in between Caillou and Simpsons. It would be like Goodness. a Sunday morning cartoon or a lunchtime cartoon. Is it Christian? No. Okay, Davy. I don't know what you just did. <laughs> oh, there's this claymation show. Oh. Um. Oh, I am so confused. Okay. Um. Is the main is the person a kid? No. Do they have a family? Yes. And the show is about their family. Yes. Just using up questions. I don't know what else to ask. <laughs> so. Great questions. Uh, are they? Is the is he funny looking or is he like normal human looking? Normal human looking. Is he a Flintstone? Yes. <laughs> is it Freddy? Yes. You got it. <laughs> 20, number twenty. Oh, oh I goodness. finally got the Flintstone in my head. Oh, I could not so figure crazy. it out. I'm uh, so sorry. Once I figured out Flintstone, I was like, I'll get it now. That was but, yabba dabba do. That was fantastic. Okay. Yeah, that was good. Okay, well, I guess that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us for episode two. And we will talk to you next Thursday or maybe sooner. We'll see you maybe on Discord. Thanks. Bye. It was great. And apparently, I've never been on live television before, but apparently sometimes I don't watch the sh- I don't watch the news because I'm a kid and apparently every time apparently grandpa just gives me the remote after we watch the Powerball.